Welcome to Tashma, the podcast where you get to listen in on Hadar's Beit Midrash. I'm Rabbi Avi Killip. Each week this year, we will hear a Dvar Torah on the weekly Parsha from our Rosh Yeshiva, Rabbi Aviva Richman. Let's listen. Redemptive Relationship and Epilogue Sheltering a Distant Other Parsha Truma brings us to what is the epilogue, although in some ways also the prologue, of the love story in three scenes we saw between Israel and God in earlier Parshiot of Shemot. Beyond Sinai articulating commitment and marriage, we come to the moment of moving in, so to speak, as we build a home in the form of the Mishkan. As we will see, creating a shelter for God is not only the climax of this love story, but was also its catalyst. Divine hospitality towards Israel came in the wake of Avraham's hospitality much earlier. Through these intertwined acts of human and divine hospitality, Truma teaches us to cultivate a readiness to give of ourselves to shelter and care for another, even when we cannot always clearly envision the recipient or even the utility of what we have to give. We explored three images in Midrash on the Exodus story that evoked Israel hiding or sheltering in the shade, chavatzelet, as they were redeemed. But the image is reversed as Midrash connects the word shade, tzel, with the Mishkan through the name of the architect, Bitzalel, read as Bitzel, kel, God is in the shade or shelter. According to this part of the Midrash, God is the one who is sheltered by Israel. Quote, Rose of Sharon, Chavatzelet, Hasharon, that I made God shelter through the hands of Bitzalel. As it is written, Bitzalel made the ark. Israel takes initiative here, creating shelter for God as Bitzalel builds the Mishkan and specifically the ark. The top of the ark has the two Kruvim spreading their wings in the form of a canopy, and it is from there that God's voice emerges. In the flow of the Exodus narrative, this act of sheltering God comes after God has sheltered Israel. Perhaps reflecting a kind of coming of age, Israel is now able to act on a sense of gratitude and return the favor offering shelter to God. In addition to the specific moments of sheltering we have seen on the eve of leaving Egypt, at the crossing of the sea, and at Sinai, early rabbinic tradition speaks of Israel being sheltered in an ongoing way by the clouds of glory throughout their desert wanderings. These clouds of glory are linked to a verse from Psalms that describes God spreading a cloud over Israel. Paras Anan Lemasach. In describing this protective cloud, Psalms uses the phrase paras and lemasach, God spread the cloud for a cover, similar to the description of the Kruvim above the ark, spreading and covering, porse knafaim, sochachim. In this parallel language, we make the Mishkan, and particularly the ark with the wings of the Kruvim, to spread shelter over God, just as God spread shelter over us. Yet, the story does not really start here. It turns out that the first act of shelter was not divine hospitality towards us, but human hospitality towards God. The only reason we merited the shelter of the clouds of glory, according to Midrash, is because Avraham first invited God under the shelter of his own home when he invited in the passersby, or angels. We see in the Midrash, Avraham says, Recline under the tree. And the Holy Blessed One spread over his descendants seven clouds of glory. 
Avram's stance of hospitality welcomed in even the divine presence. In turn, God offered hospitality to his descendants in the form of the clouds of glory that sheltered Israel. In this account, human initiative began the relationship of mutual sheltering between us and God. What does it mean to offer God shelter without the concrete structure of the Mishkan? And speaking from the experience of Galut, of exile, what does Truma look like in a reality of divine absence? The scenes we have described of God sheltering us and our acts of sheltering God may sound like a beautiful picture of mutual love and care, but the confidence of this close relationship may not resonate with our own religious experiences at all. From the security of dwelling in God's shelter, we may instead feel like God is in fact hiding and far away. Another example of the word shade or shelter, tzel, in Tanakh can lead provocatively in this direction. Psalms describes one who dwells in the shade of Shaddai, someone who is apparently assured of divine protection. Yoshev beseter elyon, betzel Shaddai lonan, or you who dwell in the secret place of the Most High and abide in the shade of Shaddai. Yet a slight rereading of the vocalization points instead towards a God who is hidden in shadow, so to speak, far away and obscured. Yoshev baseter elyon, Batsel, Shaddai Lonan. The Most High dwells in the secret place. Shaddai abides in shadow. How do we do this work of truma, giving of ourselves to create a home for God, when it doesn't seem like God is anywhere nearby? We can learn from a different kind of truma, the small gift given from one's produce to the Kohen. Mishnah Truma describes that there is a way to give truma, even if there is no Kohen around says when there is a Kohen around, one gives of their best items, for example, fresh figs. If there's no Kohen nearby, one takes what lasts longest, like dried figs, presumably in the hope that it will eventually make its way to a Kohen. Yet, Rabbi Huda offers a different opinion, saying one should always give of their best items, even if that is not necessarily what is most obviously useful to the recipient. We can learn from this model when thinking of what it means to give truma to create shelter for God, even if we feel like we live in a place where there is no God, so to speak. We might need to adjust the nature of our gift, shifting our mindset to what is durable and rugged, as we know we may need to wait quite a long time for anything we have to reach God. A beautiful but fragile faith simply won't cut it. On the other hand, perhaps Rabbi Huda inspires us to always be ready to give what we think is our best, even if that will have no obvious use to God, like the fresh figs that would go bad. In this view, it may be helpful for us to think of God as close, because that will draw out the best we have to give, our truma. In the merging of human and divine hospitality that we have seen in the narrative from Avraham, through the Exodus, and through the Mishkan, the model of truma should inspire the way we give and create shelter and care for others, not just for God. We can be ready to give from our best, but we also can and must give in the way that is most durable and sustainable. Even if we can't see right now who the beneficiaries might be of what we are able to give, and even if it is not clear whether its form will be useful, there is a power that comes from this stance of truma. May we all land on the ways to give our best, and may we all land on the ways to not give our best when that is too fragile and unsustainable. This stance of readiness to give, whether our best or what is most durable, 
may ultimately lead to offering shelter and care even to those who are decidedly distant, whether physically or emotionally. And maybe that is what actually creates a home for the Divine Presence amongst us. Shabbat Shalom. This episode of Tashma was produced by Jeremy Tabak and Sam Greenberg and edited by Evan Feist. I'm your host, Rabbi Avi Killip. It has been a pleasure to learn with you.